Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Initech. No, you're working at Initech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Well, everybody's Jackson Jacks. I'm Tom Howie. Mr. Matt, we're on the board. SP Future up 23. NASA Future's up 53. We got everything working this morning. Even Brendan, even Matt, even me. Market's up. Everybody's working. Everything's okay. Brendan, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, Chief. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, Merry Christmas season. Happy New Year. Yeah, you too. Uh, did you want to? You uh, see what Mr. Weber's doing now? No. What's he doing? He's running for Congress, and on his resume, he's saying he is a Harvard grad, worked two years for Morgan Stanley, and uh, and for Mayor Brown and Platt for a while. He graduated Harvard Law School. <laughs> all true. All true. Until he gets in there, and then he. Going to apologize for embellishing, but he's not going to resign, and nobody's going to kick him out. Embellishing a wee bit, yeah, and nobody's going to kick him out because that's okay. Because right. <laughs> we, we uh, so what do you think, Maddie? Har- would you would, no, would you pick Harvard? I don't know if I'd pick Harvard. I, you know, Bomber went to Harvard. He lived close to me. I can't, I can't do Harvard. I, where would I have to go? I mean, if I had, if I was at that level uh, to go to any sort of uh, Ivy League level school, I'm going. I, I'm probably going to Stanford. Really? So you're not going to go to um, Princeton? Like you don't want to be like far? I'm going to go somewhere warm. Yeah, but the, the whole True. part of it is that you're supposed to be able to endure the other stuff. You, you're not. This is not for yourself. This is for other people. Well, you're going to that level of school. They're all the same at that point. I mean, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, uh, Stanford, even Northwestern, probably University of Chicago. Right? They're all kind of right, right there. So uh, they're, they're all they're all equal tier. It's, it's a question of what who are the um, who are the contacts you're going to make because you know you look at things like the Supreme Court. You know, you could also put on there that you. Uh, uh, Clerk for Supreme Court justice too. There you go. Help. I'm going to say that even also though true. you guys are no doubt 100 percent correct in level of education, but I'm going to say from my some of my lawyer buddies and from my from my more uh, shall we say uh, I don't know the guys that are a little more uh, uh, snarky shall we say there's no comparison. Between Harvard and Yale, and your entry into Congress jobs or Supreme Court jobs, than Stanford or University of Chicago. Stanford or University of Chicago is not at that level. I don't think. I think that the number of people who went to Harvard or Yale and got uh, high-level jobs in the Supreme Court or clerks is um, heavily tilted towards Harvard and Yale. But I do think that Maddie's right that when you look at Northwestern, Chicago, Stanford, Michigan Law School, uh, and some of those schools, but also uh, Princeton undergrad. That uh, they're capable. If you want to make money, you don't want to go in the Supreme Court. You want to be in Palo Alto and in Silicon Valley and Stanford, and you want to you want to get the big time job at at Google. um, Well, that's true. But if you want power, if you want governmental power, then you go to be a Supreme Court clerk for a while, just for a year or two, because all those clerkships are are limited to a year or two. 
and then you have the contacts, and then uh, you can just leverage that into a congressional job or a corporate job. That's true. Oh, I would take go a, to a, a, go to a Wall Street firm. You can start wearing those white shoes. I would, I would take the uh, I take the money that uh, <clears throat> guys like Geithner and the power <clears throat> in and out back and forth between the uh, the government and the and, and private enterprise, and uh, I, I take that <clears throat> that career better than any like corporate attorney at Google or something. I mean, there's no you're not going to get you're not going to get a gazillion dollars in a speaking tool from Google. That's true. Yep. It's a question of do you want to think you're running the world or you want to just you know have a real job? So most people want to think they're running. Masters the of the universe. Hey, uh, Brennan, we're uh, <laughs> this is this is not because you're uh, not 25 anymore. Many never uh, on the way in. We were talking about the the college recruiting, and I don't know if you read the story about the. Uh, the I have Matt, you tell a story. The, the Iowa kid. Oh, we were talking about NIL and uh, and recruiting in college football. And, uh, you know, I think most people, most sensible people are fine with kids making money on the side, but this has, you know, predictably become, you know, pay for play just completely. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the team I follow, uh, University of Iowa, you know, is, is sort of a, a second tier team that um, is, is competitive every year. And then maybe once every four or five years, they have a really good season where they'll, they'll win, you know, 10, 11, 12 games and have a chance to, to uh, make a big bowl or, or even make a playoff. Um, but that's it. They're not going to consistently do it because they can't consistently get the five-star recruits that Ohio State and Michigan or, or even Penn State get. Well, this year they they have an in-state kid who is uh, a five-star recruit, which is rare in that state anyway because there's no big cities in that state, so they just have a smaller pool. But this kid is the real deal, you know, 6'6", 320 pounds, big-time athlete, uh, wins multiple state championships as a left tackle. He's rated the number one, depending on what you read, the number one or number two left tackle in the country, which makes him like a top five recruit overall in the whole country. So he's a true five star. And he commits to Iowa junior year. And commitment strong, commitment strong. And then two days before signing day, apparently Alabama uh, just comes calling and says, hey, we're going to just give you a lump sum of money, basically, from their, their NIL group. And the rumors are that it's a, a big number to the point where his family said, you're going to Alabama. <laughs> That's it. And so uh, he just, the day before signing day or two days before signing day, um, it, it sort of leaked out that, wait, he, this commitment is not very strong. And then on signing day, it just he just signs with Alabama and he's gone. And, you know, I don't really care that much. I think kids can go wherever they want and do whatever they want. But the, I don't think anyone wanted it to be just straight pay for play where... <laughs> Every kid is a free agent, and uh, here's, you, you know, you committed to this school. Well, we want you now. Here's two million bucks. You're coming here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree. I, I don't think that anybody wanted it to turn out that way. But, you know, there, there's going to be an interesting wrinkle of this in a couple of years down the road. Uh, you know, I'm taking the fact pattern that you said where the kid was an Iowa kid, strongly committed to Iowa until two days before. So he gets a lump sum of money to go to Alabama. What happens if there's a hiccup? If he doesn't fit in with uh, the culture down there, the football culture, or he winds up not playing his freshman year because there's another guy who outplays him from Alabama uh, or uh, you know someplace in Mississippi or Florida, um, what's that going to do to his feelings about if he's got the money, then why should he stay? Is he going to move someplace else? What's else going to happen for his career? Um. I'm going to interject here a little bit. Brendan, you're from the south side. 
some, yeah. somebody just gave the dude a whole bunch of money that's not the university. If he turns tail a year from now, you may find out he was in a car accident or a broken knee, for God's sake. We're, we're not, we're not, nobody, nobody's going to give him that dough and, and for him a year from now saying, I'm going somewhere else. I mean, come on. We're talking about. I think that, de- I think that depends on who they've got next in line to next man up behind him. Well, let me uh, dig a little deeper in this. I mean, what I just said is, you know, I'm, actually, I've, I've heard that from people that when they get all this money from third party people, you're not changing on, on, on signing day, like Maddie was talking about, and keeping the dough. You know, and if, 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 if you or I, I mean, we're, not, we're not violent people, but we're, we're not going to give Maddie Weber 20 grand to go to Notre Dame at the last day. He keeps the 20 and says, oh, by the way, I got 30 from Michigan State. See ya. No, no, I'm not talking yeah. about that. I'm talking about a situation where he takes the money in good faith because he, he wants the money and he thinks Alabama's a good school. But he goes down there and he finds out that the home cooking in Alabama is not quite the same as the home cooking in Iowa. And he doesn't quite fit in with his teammates as well. And he's not getting as much playing time as he thought because they're, uh, the gene pool in the, uh, the team is much better than it would be at, at uh, Iowa, so he's not going to get as much playing time. Meantime, the coaching staff figures, well, this guy might have been a five-star recruit, but it may take us two or three years to really get him up to speed. Meanwhile, we've got this other guy, Johnny Smith, coming up from... Uh, from a small town in Alabama, who's a year behind him, who can just as easily step in and take his place. I think so we just, if he's going to be relegated to the bench, why should he stick around? I think it, it, what you just said is absolutely true. It, it, it comes down to the school. If he mm-hmm. says if he says Iowa uh, was going to start me as a freshman, <clears throat> and Alabama says, well, there's a senior here that's All-American, for a million bucks you're going to sit on your ass for a year and, and like it, I don't yeah. think he can leave then. Well, actually, what I'm talking about, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about something I don't know what I'm talking about. The reason why I don't know what I'm talking about it is I, I honestly don't know, and this has to do with not just football or college athletics, I honestly don't know the dynamic, Brendan, when you're getting paid by one person that you're essentially under the control of a second person. Yeah. I mean, I've been talking about that for since this all started. That dynamic is, is interesting to work out. I mean, the, it is. The, the people who say you've got to show up at practice at 4 o'clock are not the people that are paying you. So you're essentially an employee of the school being paid by a third party. Cause then, uh, oh, you're not an employee of the school. That was decided in the Northwestern case a couple of years uh, ago where they lost that attempt. But uh, it may be moving back that way. There could be another challenge coming up. Did you see uh, the thing that, that Lou sent around last week or the week before? You, you, were, you were busy. Um, I was uh, kind of busy the last yeah, couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, he said, some court someplace just declared these guys are, 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 are totally employees of the school. Because of what I just said, they, they they tell them where they have to be. They tell them when they have to show up. That there's no question by any definition they're employees. Uh, and this just came out. And I don't know if it's a lower court or some, I, I seen. I think I lost the damn thing, but I'll, I'll find it. Or we'll be on Thursday. But it, it's it's percolating back up and it's percolating back real strong. I, I'm sure it is. And as NIL cases come to the forefront and the situation that Manny described, I think for sure that's going to be something that, that's front and center. And I think there's also going to be a lot of complications in the scenario where I said where a guy doesn't really pan out, even if he's a five-star. Or, you know, he, he blows out a knee, and uh, maybe that's totally where he can ever play again. There's going to be a year or two-year setback. He is in Alabama going to want to keep him around and use that, uh, that roster spot for him uh, when they've got other people who want to play and are able to play. Well, I think the dynamic there is 
is is to be determined because if if Alabama says to the 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 Weber NIL group, and we'll talk about that in a second, we really need this kid. And after a year, he's not playing. So we don't need him anymore. They're going to say, well, what about our million bucks? Mm-hmm. So I mean, there, there, there's an interplay here between three parties, which I th- I think is going to be an economic. What? How many PhD theses are going to be written on this? Or could and be? so get this too. This and this is how stupid Iowa is, um, or old school, I should say. Maybe they're not stupid. Um, so Iowa, of course, has a third party group, just like every other school does now, that is is pooling all this money together to help recruit. And the athletic department at Iowa wants nothing to do with it. <laughs> well, because it's it, it's to be determined if it's even legal. Well, that's the thing. I think they're worried about something coming back and uh, to haunt them. And so the athletic department won't formally engage with this uh, this NIL group called the Swarm. You know, every school has has one their their own version with its own name. And some schools, the coaching staffs and the athletic departments are embracing the third party group and and basically you know lockstep throughout the recruiting process. And apparently, Iowa won't acknowledge this group <laughs> at all. I th- well, I think and I they're th- losing out recruits like crazy. I, th- I think Notre Dame's having a problem dealing with the Brady Quinn group. I, I mean, I think they're and they're trying to sweeten it up by saying it's charity. So, but is that what is that what they're worried about? This being against the law in the future? Well, there still is, there still is a law that says you can't treat one one college student different than another. One, I mean, there's there, there, I think there's still a problem with this group never given if it's all for basketball, not giving a, a girl uh, any money, right, on the fencing team or something. Yeah, well, I don't know about even on the even on the girls' basketball team. Keep it simple. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I mean, I don't. So I, this. Well, I'm not. I'm not certainly not putting forth any solutions here. So where do you think, Brian? My uh, my buddy, uh, who's a Michigan uh, alum and he played football under Bo, he says these things are LLCs. Most of them, at least the one in Michigan, must be because because they've been after him for money. All right. So, so if it's an LLC, and say the three of us want to form one, mm-hmm. that money to an LLC. Unless it's some kind of one of those, what four hundred three C or all those things, that, I don't see how that's a nonprofit organization. I, I don't see how our our contribution is tax deductible. Do you? Usually, it's not under the tax code. There are a couple of categories that uh, include five hundred one C three organizations. There are some for education. There are some for uh, charitable purposes that qualify. But other than that, uh, they're not tax exempt organizations. They're they can be formed as a nonprofit under state law, but for federal tax law purposes, they've got to certain restrictions to be uh, tax exempt for donations and things like that. Well, like the CBOE, uh, which one I'm, I'm familiar with, obviously, he's on the board there, but they were a, a not for profit organization. Mm-hmm. And, uh, however, they were set up essentially under Delaware Country Club laws, believe it or not, where the, where the, where the members were the owners. Which of course mm-hmm. got blown out of the water, but if if they actually made money, they paid taxes. They were they were not a a tax exempt organization. They were a not for profit, and there is a difference. Yep, that's why I said that yeah. they'd be formed as a not for profit under state law, which is different than being tax exempt entity under federal tax law. But I'm I'm thinking that the 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 people certainly the three of us, if, if we ponied up a million apiece, if we had the million to pony up in there, uh, and all of a sudden. I don't think if if that's going to be what we're trying to do to get the people to come to DuPaul or Notre Dame or Iowa or whatever the hell it is, I don't see how we 
at the end of the year, I don't think the place just blows the $3 million on a bunch of kids. I'm going to say that if we're doing this image and likeness, I'm going to give you the million dollars once, and it's up to you that if, if we get a $50,000 deal with, uh, you know, God knows who, Cassidy Tire for, for, the, for the young lady or the guy, the young ladies I'm putting in there because the first three were, to be on the poster of Cassidy Tire because she's smoking hot or something, I guess we could put the, the lineman from Notre Dame on there. I don't know get some, how did somebody get somebody to buy a tire. I'm going to say that if, if Cassidy gives us a hundred grand, we're only going to give the kids fifty. I mean, we're, we're not we're not going to give everything because the next year I'm not writing that check again. Are you? Like, every single year we're going to do this. I mean, those things well, happen. No, and, Go ahead. and that goes to your point about the two million dollars that we were talking about the hypothetical two million dollars earlier. Is the intention that the NIL agreement is two million dollars for him to be there for the entire college career or for one year? I think it's what until the services. They, I'm going to say it's until they decide they don't want him. But the they's are now Alabama and not the people that gave him the dough, which is another wrinkle. Because then they're really? going to say, "You told me to get this kid, now you don't want him." What the what the bleep? Yeah. Well, not only that, but for the advertising group, you have a Cassie Tyre in your example. If instead of being the the star lineman on the on the team of Alabama. He's relegated to the bench for a year. They're not getting very much of a, a benefit from the advertising. Well, plus it even gets more wrinkly. If you're not, I'll, I'll bet when Matty just talked about Iowa didn't want anything to do with it. I, I wonder, Matty, what do you? What, well, he brought it up, so I'll let him speculate. If if this group pays some kid to go to Iowa anyway, and he's going he's going to go to you know Pete's Pizza, is Iowa going to let him wear all the Iowa outfits when he goes there and essentially represent the university, or are they going to say want no part of it? It's a good question. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know the answer to that because they're definitely the, the kids are still getting paid. Um, that's clear. It's just that the, the athletic department will not uh, officially endorse this group and will not seemingly not work with them. <laughs> oh, uh, at least officially. Officially, yeah. Whereas other schools are officially just recruiting in lockstep with these groups. I mean, and they're they're officially endorsing well, so, them. In, Southern Cal's all in. So many schools are totally all yeah, in. Yeah, and and I think I think that's a I think there's a big that's a big difference. Well, if Southern Cal's going to be in the Big Ten, and they're all in, and Iowa says we're not sure about it, this is going to have to come down to a Big Ten call. I would think. I would hope. I mean, they, there has yep. to be some something in place where one everyone is playing by the same rules again, even though they never were. Um, and and secondly, that it's not just every single high school commit and or every single college player is just a free agent at the end of every year and go out to the highest bidder. I don't think that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> I mean, it, you have to have some sort of rules around this if you want your, your sport to stay competitive to where people watch it. Otherwise, I can tell you, unless you're a fan of you know basically five or ten schools in the country, you're just going to stop watching. Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, what's I know the pe- point? I know people that have. Yeah, what's, what's the point at that, you know? Well, I mean, I also, from, from a standpoint, you know, from a tax standpoint, of course, <laughs> we, said, uh, we just got a representative that lied about everything, but from a tax standpoint, I don't see how, if, if you're getting this money from a third party, together with the school, they're working in consensus with the school, I don't think there's any question in my mind, again, not being a tax guy, that you're going to get a 1099 for that. And, and now, but now you're... You'd have to, right? But, yeah, but now you're being directed by the school... To show up, show up for practice every afternoon at three o'clock or whatever the hell it is. Now that that it's, it's it, a very it depends on the terms of the agreement whether it gets a ten ninety nine. And I would think that in most cases, if not all cases, a ten ninety nine is warranted for the services they perform in exchange for the two million dollars. 
But, you know, let's go back for a minute. Like, the whole idea, as Mandy brought up before, was that the, the purpose of that running out was not for the, the team of the crop five-star players getting two, three million dollars a year or a million dollars a year for their for their whiteness to go to the school. It was really meant to say that the kids from the south side of Chicago could get money from the coach. Uh, again, south side of Chicago, he's going to some school out in Nebraska, and he needs a, a money to have a flight back to Chicago because his grandmother died. Well, wait, wait, wait. But that was prohibited before. So, you know, the, the idea behind... Uh, NIL was really to make sure that kids could get money and could get some uh, some benefit that the schools were really benefiting to be coaching the detriment of the students. I'm going to end the year by arguing with my friend Brendan. There's two issues here. One is could the universities pay people something, which they are. What's, what's it, like two grand a month, three grand a month or something? There's some number. Every, every conference decides what it is. The Supreme Court blew up the NIL. Supreme Court really? had no no thought whatsoever where it was going and couldn't care. Brendan, they, they didn't. They, there was no original thought there. That was clear. No, I'm saying that you're right. I mean, there's the legal answer that they gave that allows for NIL. But I'm saying that the, the whole genesis of this was the fact that coaches were getting in trouble for giving their kids uh, meal money because they didn't have meal money, or to buy the flight back for grandma's funeral, things like that. And that was seen as in a, in a abuse and really, you know. Everybody knew that all of a sudden some guy, the star quarterback, was now driving around in a brand new Cadillac on campus. Gee, how did that happen? Or his mother all of a sudden winds up with an Escalade for the years he goes to college. How did that happen? But, uh, you know, you also heard the stories where the, the coach was dinged or the school was dinged because they paid for a kid to go back home to his uh, grandmother's funeral. And so it got out of whack, and now I think it's going to be further out of whack. I mean, it's going to take quite a few years for this to um, to get resolved. I'm going to say there's a massive difference between the schools being able to pay. And what's the number, man? It's like it's like it's a, and somehow or another, I don't think that's that's considered taxable. But I'm not positive. But every school is giving everybody like two grand a month now for the little incidental stuff you're talking about, Brennan. If, you, if you're forced to go to practice and everything. But that, that's totally separate from the NIL. I mean, the schools have been doing that for a while. It's totally... I mean, Notre Dame got dinged on that. One of the coaches gave the kid Greyhound uh, money to go to his uncle's funeral, and he got dinged. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, they, they, this, that's been going on for a while, but that's totally separate from... I, I just am curious as... I mean, I, economically, my economic mind is, is, is totally curious as to how this is all going to work out in terms of who's paying who, because I'm going to say that if, if, if you're got this blend of NIL sanctioned by the school. That's why I think Iowa doesn't want to do it. That would be my, my guess. Then all of a sudden, it's a very short leap to say, hey, your tuition and the, and the three grand you're getting a month and room and board, that's all taxable too. Why wouldn't it be? It's all one big package. And uh, I, don't, I don't think that the NIL people, it's going to be a W-2 because you're not the employees of them. You're, if you're employees of anybody, you're employees of the school. And that's what makes it because they're the ones that tell you when to show up for practice, right? Not your, or if it goes the other way, what if if what if you and I and, Matt, and Maddie gave this kid the, the half a million bucks in Alabama? You know, he, he's going to play for Alabama, and all of a sudden he's a second stringer, and we can't market him or her. And all of a sudden Iowa calls back and says, "Hey, you know, he'd be starting here. He'd be marketable. Maybe it's us that yanks him out of school and sends him to Iowa. Who's to say we stay with the university? We just work for the kid like an agent." Like would be in the NFL, mm-hmm. and saying, "Hey, if they're not starting you, we'll start you over. We'll find a place where you're starting." I mean, it could go that way as well 
either, right? If, if they're the ones paying oh. it, they're pulling the strings, not the university. Mm-hmm. I, well, I can't even imagine where it's going to go. The more I think about it, it, it be like every, I think of a new direction every time I think about it. Yeah, and and I agree that there are many directions we don't know how this is going to turn out or how this is ever going to be litigated. How do you force a kid to uh, show up for Chuck's Pizza? Yeah. Uh, well, if he's getting paid, he every, doesn't show. Yeah. Every every Friday night, he's or every I guess he's got a game on Saturday. So every Thursday night, he has to go to Chuck's Pizza and hobnob with the fans. There uh, is part of his deal for NIL. Uh, quick, uh, quick question for Matty Weber because he's all over this Iowa thing. Matty, it just so happened. Well, man, it just so happened. The kid went to Alabama. Obviously, totally separate conference. The conferences seem to rule the world these days. What if it would have been another Big Ten school? I mean, yeah, good question. I don't know, because you, you know Ohio State is on that same exact level as Alabama as far as they don't give it, you know what. <laughs> well, I'm going to say the dirtiest right now, in my opinion, I don't, I don't know any of the details, but I'm going to give my opinion anyway. I think the dirtiest right now is probably Southern Cal, soon to be Colorado. Uh, Southern Cal, absolutely. Colorado, I'm sure. Um, all the SEC schools, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> Ohio State, um, and uh, yeah, they're 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 certainly the worst of the worst. I, it's amazing to me that Georgia is probably you know like I said all the SEC schools. It's amazing to me that the Florida schools have been so bad for so long because you know they'll cheat. <laughs> Florida, Florida State, Miami, um, but they've been just completely non-competitive for what a decade now. I, I'm stunned. <laughs> I'm stunned that Texas isn't up there every year like they used to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oklahoma will, will uh, always always cheat. Certainly. Well, with this guy, they're well, really their but, masters at it. But you know, I, I shouldn't say cheat because they're not cheating. Well, because there's no rules. There's no rules. It's um, you know, Kevin wrote in. It's all. It, this has always happened. It's just all in the open now. You know what? Though I, That's right. I I think the same schools that were cheating when it, you know the Bill Selfs of the world in college basketball who get caught by the FBI and no one cares at Kansas because he wins and so he's still there and they're the national champions and they they're they're going to be a number one seed again probably they're, those schools that were sort of handing the, the duffel bag of cash like we always talked about under the table now they're just handing the duffel bag of cash on top of the table and the same schools that wouldn't do it then won't do it now you know I, I disagree with my Notre Dame pals Jan Flynn and, and Kevin and the whole group of course I'm, I'm one against the gang this is not just more of the same this is absolutely not just more. This is a totally separate level. This is this is uh, somebody lobbing a water balloon versus somebody lobbing a missile. This is it's not even. An, I don't think. Why do you what? Um, explain that. I, I think, yeah, this, Chief. This this is like the old the old uh, inquiry. A guy approaches a woman in an elevator and says, "Will you sleep with me for a thousand dollars tonight?" She goes, "Oh no, I'm married to my husband." He goes, "Well, would you sleep with me for a million dollars tonight?" He goes, "Okay." So now we know what you are. It's just a matter of negotiating the price. <laughs> well, but I, I, it's the same level, whether the, the belt that is below. Well, the one one was. It, it's the same thing. It's just a matter of dollars that are in the bag. No, I, I don't. I don't actually don't agree with that, Brendan, because in one principle, the girl in the elevator, I do, but the one, one where I don't is now it's so far in the open that that it's not me grabbing a pickup truck and giving it to somebody's uncle. It's not me five thousand in, in twenty dollar bills in a bag. Now the IRS. Everybody knows who's involved and who's really paying the kid versus who worries. It's a whole different program because it's because it is in the open. Plus, the numbers are so much bigger. But it's not just the lady in the elevator. Now, there's no way you're not giving this kid because if if you and I give Maddie Weber's daughter 
you know, five grand to go somewhere and play volleyball. We're not taking it as a tax deduction, and she's not taking it as income, right? It's it's like paying somebody in front of your house, you know, fifty bucks a month to shovel the snow in the wintertime. Well, if you actually tried to deduct that, that I I paid, you know, uh, the twelve year old Maddie Weber a grand a year to to do my, if I tried to deduct that, the IRS is going to say, where's the ten ninety nine for Maddie Weber, and why didn't he pay his Social Security and stuff? Once once you go into that level and you bring it out in the open, it's totally different, I think. I mean, I, that's my opinion. I mean, I, you know, you guys, in, in, in principle, you're probably right. It's not that much different, but it's really different. Once, you, once everybody knows and, and governments get involved and, and, and tax stuff starts flying, I think it's totally different. So disagree, I guess. You guys don't. You? Yep, I know. I, I, I think it's, it's the same thing. It's just a matter of degree. Okay, I'm just... I think when the IRS gets involved, it changes. <laughs> I, I don't know why I believe that way. Brendan, thank you very much. Uh, Happy New Year. Talk at you next year, uh, if not yep. sooner. SB Futures up 19. NASDAQ Futures up 27. By the way, you guys are the 50th people, 50th and 51, that I've lost this argument to. So well, I don't <laughs> so, disagree with you. you know, well, you're on my side. I mean, we're, we're 50 to 2. Well, I think, I, think it's, I think you're both right. I mean, I think it's kind of more of the same, but it's, but it's also a little bit different. Um, yeah, I think it's once you get taxable authorities involved, it's a lot different. I, I do. I just, that's just me. We'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, Stocks jocks, stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hey, Stacks and Jackson, I'm out. And we're on the board. SP Futures up 18, the SP's up 23. It'll be really nice if we just had a rally this week. Uh, having said that, Matty, what are the chances of that happening? Uh, <laughs> because you said it? Because zero I now. said zero now. Because uh, we've had a you know, kind of a lousy December, and, uh, and you know, we had the one, how many years ago, Matty, where we were down 600 points on Christmas Eve, and then the last week of the year we just shot up and made up the 600 points. I mean, I'm kind of hoping this happens this year, but uh, we did all our rolls and never. Our people kind of stinky long here, so it'd be kind of nice. Uh, but <laughs> market always does what you want it to do, right? That that always happens. Dow futures up two eleven. Individual stocks, Goldman Sachs up two forty nine. We got Boeing up buck twenty four. Chevron Texco buck thirty. Uh, so every, everything's everything's green pretty much, except for Apple down six cents in the Dow. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX up uh, one hundred point seven percent. FTSE up three. Call that flat. CAC around up sixty four. That's a full one percent. So moderately bullish over there. Um, I wonder, was Boxing Day? Boxing Day was yesterday, right, Manny? That's right. But no, so they do. They got. They usually get Boxing Day off, so they must have been. It's weird. They, they must have got robbed. Robbed out of a 
day off, right? Because they usually get Christmas and Boxing Day off. They must not have because they're trading today. They didn't get two days. We anyway. Uh, we've got the Nikkei down, up forty two point one percent. Hang Seng uh, down eighty six percent, eighty six bucks point four percent. Shanghai up thirty is. Uh, <clears throat> China's so they're they're ending the quarantine for inbound travelers. They claim that the COVID has totally exploded over there. Yet there's no quarantine now for inbound travelers, and people can start traveling out of the country again. Man, oh man, I, I'm not big on quarantines, but uh, kind of odd they're doing both at the same time. And, and uh, last week we had uh, on uh, Friday we had the Dow was up 176, S&P up 22, Nasdaq up 21. It was the first update I believe of the week. We we're definitely down on the week. A 10-year Treasury t- uh, today up three basis points, 3.78. The Bund up one, 2.50. Japan up three. 0.47, getting very close to that 0.50, which is the top end of the range. They claim they're going to let it go. Oil, uh, 29 cents, 79.85, but below 80. Rent up 32 cents, 84.24. Natural gas up 7 cents, still 5.14. Is I don't manage to get your gas bill yet. Everybody else is like getting doubled from last year, even though natural gas is actually lower. I think you know. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it. If you're a, a gold up 14 bucks, 18.18. Silver up 46 cents. Wow, 24.38. They put a lot of people in silver last week, so that's good. Uh, copper up ten cents, three ninety one, um, and we have crypto. We got Bitcoin down nine bucks, sixteen eight eight two seven. It's really been quiet here between about sixteen seven fifty and seventeen five now for really a while. I guess it's stabilizing or, or doing something. The U.S. dollar uh, <clears throat> very uh, euro is actually down a hair, and the, and the pound is. Uh, we're down a hair to the pound, euro and up a hair to the pound, so not much going on there. Maybe we have for traffic weather sports. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have two issues to report, and they're both on the Eisenhower. First off, uh, there's a vehicle fire blocking the two right lanes just before 9th Avenue on the west side uh, with crews on the scene. And then uh, further east on the Eisenhower, still on the westbound side at Laramie Avenue, which is exit 24A, there's a crash. So some congestion on the Eisenhower due to those two incidents, but uh, the rest of the area is completely quiet. No one is driving this morning. Apparently no one's working this week. Weather today, uh, 26 and sunny today, so a bit warmer than it's been the last few days, but still uh, well below freezing. Right now it is clear and 11 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 74. Right now it's clear and 50. In sports, Bulls' three-game winning streak is over. They were blown out by the Rockets, 133-118 to 118 last night. Suns were off. They're at the Grizzlies tonight. Blackhawks are back in action tonight in Carolina to take on the Hurricanes. That's a 6 p.m. Chicago time puck drop. Coyotes host the Avalanche tonight. And in Monday Night Football, it was the Chargers blowing out the Colts, 20-3. Chief. So is he going to get fired? Yeah, <clears throat> the cold man or the cold coach? The interim coach? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I doubt that uh, they see anything uh, with that guy, Jeff Saturday. Well, they were done. Joe, how are you, buddy? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Chief. It's not quite there yet. How no. you doing? You got me on a really fired up day. What are you fired up about? Oh, Chief, you know what's on Saturday, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm road trip, road trip for the game. I was going to say, are you going? Going to, going to Fiesta Bowl, Chief. Well, it's a... Uh, well, that's a that's a kick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, actually, it was uh, the wife's decision. She, uh, I planned, I hoped to plan on going to the national championship game, and uh, we were looking at. We didn't have any plans over New Year's, and she said, "Hey, 
why don't we um, why don't we go out to the uh, the semifinal game? So leave it Thursday morning. I didn't sleep last night. I'm not going to sleep tonight. I'm not going to sleep tomorrow night or Thursday <laughs> night or Friday night. And we just got to get by those horn frogs. And you know what I hope for in the second game? I hope Ohio State absolutely destroys um, destroys Georgia. So we got a rematch, Chief. That's what I want. That'd I want be... a rematch between Michigan and Ohio State. And you know why I want that? So you can beat them again. So you can you beat know what's better than beating Ohio State uh, once in a calendar year? <laughs> beat them twice. <laughs> My my uh, my relatives in Columbus that listen are now going to get out their their, their Joel doll and start sticking it with pins. Oh yeah, yeah. No, they're saying that the spread would be down favored by three points if uh, if uh, if we played. It was kind of a fluke that we beat them. Um, I don't know TCU. I just hope we can penetrate their defense. I think they're going to score us on, on us with Max Dugan. Um, and I just, you know, we, we are without our uh, first-string running back, Clay, Clay Corum, but Donovan Edwards seems to be filling that role aptly. J.J. McCartley's finally being the quarterback that he's supposed to be. Um, in the second game, we'll see if Ohio State, you know, just had one bad game when he can stand up to the brutes of Georgia. But, man, am I fired up, Chief. Where are you guys, where are you guys staying? Uh, we are staying at the Westland Kierlin Resort in in Scottsdale, Arizona. So you're you're a ways from uh, when I went. I went to the Fiesta Bowl when the Irish played uh, West Virginia for the when Major Harris was the was the quarterback. Oh wow! And we went to that, and then it was in Sun Devil Stadium. They hadn't built these other places yet, so it was actually at the Arizona State it's Stadium. It's in Glendale now, right? Yeah, it's in Glendale. So yeah, yeah, so Glendale. You're, you're, yeah, I'm I'm going on the alumni tour. I'm doing what they tell me when they tell me. I'm even to get the lanyard chief, you know, with my name on it. Well, if you taken care of, baggage taken care of. Uh, a very lucky guy, man. It's a very great. It's a great year to. It's a great way to end the year. I'm. I'm very fortunate. Yeah, it's really strange that the, that the stadiums are out in Glendale because before they built the 101, which is like a circumferential, which is actually a a name for you know a, a road that goes around a city. You couldn't get the Glendale from. Uh, from Scottsdale. I mean, it was you had to go like into the city and, and scoot out because it, it was a long time ago. But now you can get there pretty easy. So, uh, so the stadiums are in Glendale. Well, even though I mean, nobody's, I don't know if anybody stays in Glendale. I mean, uh, it's an indoor stadium too. Imagine that yeah. Soldier Field outside in Chicago. Well, and I mean, you uh, got a you got an indoor field in uh, in Glendale in Arizona. Well, when the when the uh, the Phoenix. Uh, with the football team's name, the pro the team. Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, Cardinals. Yeah, they're not the Phoenix, Arizona Cardinals. When my buddy uh, used to work with us, went out there for a game. They used to go to a bear game every year. The game, they didn't let, you know, they let, they made those guys play in the afternoon. So they played like oh. a, a September game in the afternoon. He goes, God, was it brutal. I mean, Arizona State only plays it, played at night, unless it got to like, you know, November or something. Yeah. Uh, but... Because it was, it's an open air stadium. It's a beautiful place, right between, right next to the mountain. You can actually, if you want to go up and, and and not pay, you can hike up to the top of uh, whatever the mountain is and just sit above the stands and the, and the rocks and just watch. <laughs> well, I'm paying, Chief. I'm paying yeah. for that seat. <laughs> I meet my sister out there too, as well. My brother-in-law's making the trip, so it's going to be a family affair. I'm really excited for you. about it. Uh, as far as the markets go, because I got to hop in a second. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think we're going to have a little rally. It just feels that, like, we get too much of a rally. Uh, there's still, you know, people peeling out, losing positions from last year. Um, on the downside, yeah, you do have some buy the dippers. So as long as we don't get anywhere near last week's low. Uh, but I don't know. I'm just looking at my quotes and everything. And this 3,900 is just sticking out to me. Maybe we'll play a little, you know, yo-yo above that. Rough year for the markets. And uh, unless, uh, unless Pump and Powell goes back to his uh, old ways, it could be another tough year in 2023. What do you think, uh, just real quick before I let you go, uh, last week a lot of guys opining on these, uh, you know, these fang stocks. What's one guy's talking about, you know, he sees, he sees Apple at 80 and he sees, uh, you know, Amazon at 50. I mean, are, are you... You think I mean, you think those are possible? I mean, Tesla. I don't. I don't. I don't even know what to think about that thing. But do you have an opinion on that? It's, yeah. down, another, it's down another seven I mean, bucks this morning. Everyone's yeah. Well, they close their factories. Um, well, I think a big caveat. I, you know, just talk about those individual stocks. Um, if they would just stop going down, the market would have a good year. You know, it's just the fact that. Uh, you know, people are waiting on Q1 earnings. Everyone is waiting for that recession, slow down in earnings, and keep prolonging in the quarter, right? This quarter, that quarter. Now, you know, you're going to get Q4. We'll see if, you know, how people spent Q1. I mean, that's what dictates earnings things. Uh, so, you know, I can't make any great prediction for, you know, any one of them. I just, if they just stop going down, I think, you know, the oil stocks, your financial stocks, some of the other stocks can, uh, uh, can make up the ground, but uh, you know, look at daily support levels. A- Apple's hanging by a thread at you know one twenty nine, one thirty. Uh, the other ones have already got their beat down. So the market's to have a good year in two thousand twenty three. I don't need these things to necessarily you know be ripping leading the way of the upside. It's got stock going down like they have. Yeah, I would agree. I don't know, I I thought when I didn't put out a. Newsletter. I don't do that. I didn't give a huge recommendation. I don't do that. Uh, but I, I, I thought out of all those stocks that I never could figure out what the magic was with Tesla and and Facebook. Tesla, because all they did was get money from other places, and Facebook, maybe because I never understood it how they made all their money or didn't. I thought I, I thought those stocks were they didn't have any close, you know, ever. But you know, I never like I said, I never said that. I never I never traded that way. But I really don't want to. Yeah. But I mean, I do. But we, I, I looked Friday. Uh, um, we, I did a little bit of a calculation. With Tesla's down eight hundred billion dollars in market cap in one year. Jesus Christ, that's yeah, a real number. That's uh, that uh, Twitter has a lot, a lot to do with that. But uh, folks, I'll, I'll, be, right. I'll be back next week, Chief. All right, we'll be, uh, come bring bring home a winner, will you? All right, go blue. Take care. SP futures up nineteen. Nasdaq futures up twenty eight. Quick break. Back, Mister Kenny Polkiri. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? 
Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Hello, welcome back to Saxon Jacks. <laughs> I'm Tom Howell, Mr. Matt Weber, the underboard SP Futures up 19, NASDAQ Futures up 25. Maybe I'm, I'm amusing myself here by, by putting, uh, embellishing, I'm, I'm assuming every contributor to uh, Stacks and Jacks is running for office in 2024. <laughs> so I'm, embell- I'm embellishing everybody's resume, so I'm working on Kenny's. I'm going to see, we're going <laughs> to, now we're going to have a, a commercial with, you know, low roots, not low roots, but, but you know, blue-collar roots in a restaurant in Boston, chopping peppers. And we're going to have him go, then we're going to have him go to, uh, where are we going to go? Undergr- we're going to do Stanford undergrad, get out of the area, recruited by Stanford. And he's got a, a numerous Chicago MBA where he, he goes to Oxford <coughs> the one year. Then he gets a, his degree from Oxford as well. Harvard Law, clerk for, let's see, who's our favorite judge? Uh, Thurgood Marshall one year, then on to Morgan Stanley. Uh, we might as well prop the hell out of this one, even though Kenny's a... Kenny's doesn't need much prepping, but we can always prop anybody's. We'll work on this, and then we're, we're going to have him running for office from the 4th District of Florida next next time. How do you like that? What a resume that would look like. Wait, do I have a Ph.D. too? 
now you got you got a lot you you you, you got your actually if you were in Chicago I could have gone my second year to uh, I don't know it was Oxford or Cambridge and you would you would come out with a, an economics degree from there and an MBA from Chicago that would have been impressive even though you were there for a year that would have been very impressive I didn't do that though. I just I figured my parents had paid enough. That was I didn't need to go anywhere else. Just get my MBA and get the hell out of there and get a job. Yeah. But uh, then you went on to Harvard Law School and you clerked for a Supreme Court <laughs> judge and then you went to Morgan Stanley and went on the New York Stock Exchange floor. I mean that thing. How could you not vote for you? You know when I when I was eighteen and I went first to college, I went down to D.C. because I thought that I wanted to go to law school and be a politician and then become president of the United States. And thank God none of that happened. I'm not so sure that because then I, I'm not thanking anybody that you're not president. I might be sorry <laughs> you're not president. Yeah, yeah, but then I had the opportunity to go work as a summer intern on the New York Stock Exchange in the summer of 1980, and that that changed the whole path of my life. Amazing how addictive that is. That happened to me in the afternoon. I went down there for a couple of years just to make enough money to start another business, and all of a sudden I'm on the committees and boards and became my yeah. life, you know. But I, I always yeah. thought that this was a shorter term deal and here I'm still doing it so I guess that's the way that works right and it yeah it ended up being a 42 year career yeah yeah well anyway uh, what, do you, what do you make of what's going on here we've been kind of talking athletics all morning but let's talk some market with you I, I'm i thinking hoping we get a little bit of a rally this week I don't know what that tells us after the three crummy weeks uh, I don't think it tells you anything I, I do think you're going to get the rally into the year end I do think that's going to happen you can see it today markets are higher they were higher on Friday they're higher again today I think there's a lot of people away from their desks, so moves in either direction will be exaggerated. But I do think there'll be a push into the end of the year, which will take us back to, like, S&P 4000. But I don't think that says anything about what's going to happen in 2023 at all. Uh, and, I, you know, you know how I feel about it. I think 2023 is going to be at least the first quarter, if not the first half, is going to be a volatile, difficult time for the markets and for investors. Well, can you go back to, well, it wasn't ancient history for us, but 2000... You had five stocks <clears throat> that were the uh, that they were they were shining lights of the then QQQ, the Nasdaq, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're probably one of the only people around that can name them. I, mean, I still can. And all of a sudden, they basically got their ass kicked, and when Qs went from, I'm going to say, Kenny, one twenty to twenty five, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. it was brutal. In uh, Cisco, went from sixty five to six. Right, Oracle yeah. went from sixty-five to what fifteen. So I mean, there was there was uh, huge, about. yeah, somewhere in there. And uh, I can't remember what Dell did and Microsoft. Microsoft was at thirty-five hours forever. I know afterward. Right. Anyway, <clears throat> we've got the same sort of situation now. But eventually, the market was able to get up and go without those. <clears throat> excuse me, without those five stacks. Now, right. Now this time, is it the exact same thing or? I'm thinking the two stocks that, well, they're not in, not in the fang, so Tesla's not in the fang, but clearly was heavily invested. I don't know that Meta ever comes back. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I guess for people who own Meta, I hope it does, but I don't, I don't, see, the, I don't see the glimmer in that anymore. But, that, but then again, you know, I'm, not, I'm not into that too much. But I don't, I don't, are we going to have to go forward without these guys? I mean, is Amazon, is it just another retailer now, a good one, an innovative no. one? I don't think Amazon is just another retailer, at least not yet. I think Amazon still, you know, has the opportunity and the ability uh, and the will to kind of change the way we live and work and order and shop and buy and all that. I agree with you on Meta. I'm not sure Meta's going to be what it was. But I was also, that, that Facebook or Meta, call it what you want, 
was never a stock that I invested in. It was never an area that you know uh, that I that I was in with with that stock. Um, and so, therefore, whether they come back or not makes no difference to me because I don't own it, and, and none of my people own it. Um, but Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, I think those stocks are still going to be very key and very important. Um, you know, and I keep talking about one of the old favorites. I think IBM is going to start to surprise people again. It's had a great year this year, uh, and I think that they're going to continue to kind of uh, uh, reinvigorate themselves and change the way uh, cloud computing and quantum computing uh, changes the world. So, uh, yeah, well, I think there's, there's going to be a new focus. I don't think at all that it's without tech, right? Well, I, don't, I just I look at the margins. I don't think, from what uh, you know, Kevin was at a couple of days a week, that probably doesn't do as much of it anymore. Not that he's a professor, but when he worked for Better World Books, he was a guy that was would go and buy Cloud Time before it was even known as Cloud Time. He, he yep. bought uh, he bought extra computing capacity at times of the year that the that the Better World Books, which is near September, whenever he's buying all their stuff for school and and Christmas, they had they had peak times of the year, and Kevin would go out and get and his message for. As long as he's been on the show, is it's it's a fantastic advance that you can go do that. He goes, but it's amazingly competitive. There were people in in Southwest Michigan that had a warehouse with essentially a whole bunch of computers that you could buy time from. Now, granted, Amazon is is in most people's place anyway. If you're a retailer or anything right. like that, so they have a leg up on you. They're a very he goes, they're a very <coughs> solid competitor. And, and one that has an, in, an inroad already, that yes, they have an advantage. But if you get if you get big enough, you're going to compare prices. And he goes, it's nowhere near the margin you get on a cell phone or or on a, on a, on a, on a purchase from a third party in Amazon. I mean, the margins it's it's a competitive industry where Apple sort of isn't the regular stuff, and Amazon sort of isn't the regular stuff. You know, so it's not. You know, that, that's what I always kind of look at. Can okay? maybe rightly or wrongly. And you're right, they're doing a whole bunch yeah. of other stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think they're doing a whole bunch of things that are going to change the world. And i got to tell you, especially, well, I mean, I, I just see it not only in myself, but I see it in everyone I talk to. I go less and less shopping, other than food shopping. I go less and less shopping for stuff I need, and I just go to Amazon and it gets delivered to my house either within 24 hours or, or within 48 hours, right? Sometimes you can have it in the same day if you order it early enough. Um, I think the convenience of that has changed the way... Uh, most people think about Amazon or think about even shopping, right? But but is it? I guess I, I'm, I'm I'm with you on that. By the way, I, I refuse to order from Amazon because I've, I've had two bad experiences years ago. And of course, I'm such a south side grumpus. I refuse to go back. But because uh, everybody else does does the same thing. But I guess my question is, Kenny, for you to get something in in one day versus two days, yeah, where they used yeah UPS or somebody, um. But the idea from I'm going to say I won't say the millennials people younger than you and I uh, would right. say would say okay they're going to get their own distribution system and and all of a sudden you know Amazon or uh, UPS whose margin is probably they've been doing this since you know Hector was a pup for God's sake uh, and and they right. they've had the world they've they've had years to design their trucks the right tires the right how many how many times you should make a right turn instead of a left turn because you're faster? I mean, they're really really good at it, you know. And their margin is fifteen percent, say, you know. And they're, like I say, right. they're they're exceptional. Okay, I'm not going to concede that Amazon's margin in that area is going to be sixty percent like it is in other areas. I'm not going to concede that. And by the way, I'm right. And uh, 
and, and oh, by the way, they're never going to have, they're always going to be able to pay people less than UPS. There's never going to be a union problem. There's never going to be people pushing back. You know what? All that stuff's BS. Everybody is push, pushing back, right? They're, they're not, this idea of you're going you're gonna to pay people way less than somebody else been in the business 50 years, I don't buy that, Kenny. I mean, you, when you start entering other people's businesses, I think you've got a problem. Well, I, and I think you're right. And I don't necessarily think they're going to be able to pay necessarily cheaper. They're going to have to clearly become more competitive in that space. So look, everywhere you look, there are Amazon trucks everywhere. There are also yeah. UPS trucks and and, uh, and FedEx trucks, but there's Amazon trucks everywhere you look. Right, but, but uh, they, can we, you mind if we run over a minute? Because I have a question for you. Because we used to have, that? what was the, by the way, maybe what do people used to deliver the food for Jewel? There were trucks all over the place, and all of a sudden they were out of business. Was that Peabody? What were those guys? Yeah, I think it was Peabody. Uh, I don't know if they're out of yeah, business Peabody, or not, but. Anyway, I have a question for you, Kenny. This is a... Uh, just as it's an investment question, over the last 10 years, I've found it so difficult to, to uh, you know, invest in what you know, invest in what you see coming forward. Would you ever have guessed before COVID that we would have had this incredible chip shortage that all you heard, all you heard about every single day, every hour for five years or four years? You had to a point where your auto prices, you can't find a car, and if you do, you're paying up twice what you were three years ago. Right. Would you have guessed right. that at the end of the three years, the chip companies would be flat on their ass and down from the day that it all started? No. I mean, what if you... No. Have, you and now there's a massive chip glut, right? Yeah. Now there's a massive chip glut, so everything should be crashing in value. I mean, they, they rammed it up. They ramped it up when, when there was a shortage. And now you heard... Uh, who was it that came out last week? Micron Technology said that they don't expect a shortage to, to, to ease until we get to the second half of 2023. So how come things are not coming down in price if there's such a glut? Well, and how is it that these companies, companies are all way less than when it all started? You would have guessed they could have charged anything they wanted for those chips. I, I mean, if, if I was a, right. if I wasn't an index guy, and I'm so happy that I am, I would have, I would have really overweighted in that area. And, and, and boy, I'd have been a, I'd have gotten clobbered. Well, you would have gotten clobbered had you not gotten out, right? Had you gotten in when it was happening, it would have been fine. But you, had, you had to know when to get out. Well, I mean, yeah, I might have a week to get out, <laughs> but I mean, even it's like when yeah. Trump when Trump was running, all he did was talk about steel. As soon as he got in office, steel companies what were were cut in half. Right. It just it just very. I just find the last four or five years very counter. I'm so happy I'm in the index stuff and protected, Kenny. I find the regular investing is so counterintuitive. I mean, except for oil, oils oil, oil's done like it like it should. It's gone up when oil went up, uh, but but some haven't. Some have gone just the opposite. Yeah, I know it's confusing, right? And I think it's part of it's part of the new world that we live in. Whether it's the technology, the algorithms, however it is, it makes it much more difficult. But I agree with you; it's not the same as it was when you and I were, you know, just young guys in the business. Well, tell you what, Kenny. Happy New Year, and I really hope to see you next year, maybe more than once. Uh, These last few years, we I hope so too. Uh, happy New Year to you as well. You can come up Tonight. here. I mean, the weather's not like this all the time. You can come up here once in a while, you know. <laughs> We, we, or we could meet right, in I'll Boston. Come up in the spring. All right, buddy, you take care of yourself. <laughs> SP Futures up 13. NASDAQ Futures yeah. only up five. We're leaking again here. Be right back, Professor Hell Snar.
This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. There's something happening here. Blow up by Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Armas. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up 14. NASA Futures up 9. We have the professor with us. Hey, good morning, John. How are you? So I'm reading here that uh, Peloton is going to offer refurbished bikes at discount prices. Uh, now, my question is, if you get one of those things and you hang clothes on them for like a year or two, does it need to be refurbished, or is it still good to go? <laughs> my wife and I bought a uh, treadmill, and it was great for storing coats and books. <laughs> God. Remember, what was the thing, the, the original one of those, say, I won't say the original, but way back in the day, you, you might not remember, Matty, I'm sure doesn't, who were the guys that came out with the uh, the thing that was the cross-country ski machine? That was like the original thing in your house, because cross-country skiing became this, when I was, you know, young and skiing a real lot, cross-country skiing became, well, and people, you know, never break, break a leg downhill, so they described, <laughs> well, cross-country became like the absolute best thing to go out and see nature, you know, the best aerobic exercises there is, and blah, blah, blah. So then somebody made this thing, I forget who the brand was, was it Track something, something, uh, made this cross-country ski machine. And, like, everybody on the floor bought one of them. And actually, it turned out where it screwed up your Achilles tendon because it was because of the way it just went the same direction back and forth. 
But it, there were guys who would come into the trading pit with pictures of how many clothes they had hanging on this thing as they never used it as a, as a machine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think yeah, there was something that predated that. There was this uh, belt that my grandmother had in Idaho. It wrapped around your waist oh, and God. it shook you. Oh, I remember those it things, like yeah. a, It was like a four-inch belt that went around your waist. Well, all the, all the 50s and 60s, like, well, funny, you know, comedy sitcoms, it was, you know, it always showed like the the fat uncle with one of those things rotating, go. Well, the guy. My grandparents had one of those, and I was a little kid. I was trying to figure out what it was. Well, did, I don't, did they ever work? I, I can't imagine they. Or why? I, I, if it took an hour, how could anybody stand there for an hour that they shaking the hell out of you? I mean, I guess. Well, I, I think it probably worked as well as this pea cup that we bought before we had our first child, Joe. The pickup is supposed to go on the uh, private parts of a boy. Oh, so when God. you're changing the diapers, he doesn't pee on you. I can tell you that thing does not work because it assumes that little boys stay one spot while you're changing them on the yeah. changing table. <laughs> and my wife got hit a couple times with it. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the, uh, the, the making sure you put the towel back over, I've heard, is the best way. But that's a... <laughs> It doesn't work. You got to be really fast. Well, remember those. You got to be able to take that diaper off real quick, wipe real quick, and put the diaper back on. Oh god! Well, the <laughs> I, I know that the uh, let's put it this way: those old those old motels that had the bed, we put the quarter in the thing massage, and it just buzzed. <laughs> they were really odd if you were by yourself, but they were kind of fun if you were with somebody. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I think uh, Steve Martin and uh, John Candy had been on one in planes, trains, and automobiles, right? It, it caused the beer to explode. Yeah. <laughs> How about those bears? <laughs> so, those are pillows. <laughs> yeah. How about those bears? <laughs> I don't think they'd be saying, "How about those bears this year?" But uh, anyway, we talked a little bit earlier. I don't want to go into it too much in advance uh, or again because we kind of did a deep dive. The uh, are you guys just in terms of? Uh, I find it fascinating because obviously we have people on the show that love sports, but and we are we are stocks and jacks. This this whole thing with this college uh, name, image, and likeness. This is like an entire economics book spread out in front of us, and it's happening in real time. Now I I find it and obviously I love the subject because I'm just fascinated by it. Obviously the listeners know that, but I I think this is this is this is like a whole economic system spreading out before our eyes. We're watching something with all, all the warts and with all the and how how we're going to have third party people paying and other people uh, you know, directing people what to do and wh- whether it's taxable, not taxable, whether kids are going to be hauled into tax court because they don't know what taxes were five years from now and never paid in any of it. I, I, I think this is just a fascinating thing. I don't I don't agree with it at all, but uh, but, but it's fascinating to watch. I mean, have, you, have you paid any attention to it? Well, it, it just goes to show you that I've always said that black markets are just restrained markets trying to function. That's, I mean, that's what a black market is. And you, we've had black money in college sports. I, I think any reasonable person would would understand that there's there was always money floating around the uh, top football programs, top basketball programs. I mean, there's just money floating around, and it just brings it to light. And I, I think we're seeing. I think we're kind of seeing how much money there was floating around. Oh, I, I see. I, I've had this. I got another guy who was, a, who was a, Maddie. Maddie's my only uh, my only ally in this because I've talked to people. It have to be a hundred people on this subject. Everybody disagrees with me. I think once you bring something out in the open at this level, hell, and you, and you start involving, 
IRS, actual who's who's in charge, are people employees, not employees. I think it's a whole different game than just shoving some kid yeah. 200 bucks out of your back pocket. I mean, it's a whole different program, yeah. I, I think. I mean, well, I mean, college football is a, a huge industry. And only people are really benefiting. Well, I mean, players were benefiting financially in non-pecuniary ways because they would, uh, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen a locker room at, like, University of Oregon or... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Arizona State built a billion-dollar facility. UCLA is still in debt because they built their billion-dollar facility. So, I mean, I mean, I walked into Weber State University's locker room when my uh, my uh, nephew Logan was being recruited by Weber State. He went on a recruiting trip there, and even Weber State's locker room was incredible. So there were a lot of perks. I mean, you have the best weight rooms, you have the best food, you can eat as much as you want. So there was a lot of benefit going around. But the, the person that benefited most from all the money in college football was, one, the NCAA, the college presidents, and the head football coach. Oh, without a doubt. And the players were, the players were being left out. I mean, it's not, this is not a work-study position. I've always said, you know, you got to do something. You got you got to pay these kids something. Maybe maybe compensate them for their time. They're on the practice field, in the weight room, flying. You got to compensate them somehow. Maybe give them a work study wage, where they're making twenty dollars an hour, representing the university in all these efforts outside the classroom. And because the NCA uh, didn't do that, it just eventually what happens is you got to make it legit because everybody knows it's corrupt. Everybody know, knows money's flowing to these kids. So eventually you got to open it up and make it legal. And now we're seeing just how big college football is. We're just seeing how big yeah, it is. I, and that's I, all this is. I, I think it, well, I just think it's, when, when you reach that sort of a, a degree difference, I, I think it changes. But I, I've been a proponent. Hell, my, some of my buddies, uh, when they went to Notre Dame, part of their aid package included them working in the dining hall. You know, and, I, and it was part of it. They, if they gave them 20 hours a week, they got X number off their tuition and so forth. I mean, and guys, I knew a bunch of guys that did that. And uh, yeah, I thought at the very least, let's say they were making 5 bucks an hour, which I doubt if they were back in those days. Say it was 5 bucks an hour, you at least ought to compensate your pro, your football player. I almost said pro. Uh, your, your football player, if he's got to be in practice from 3 to 6. At the very yeah. least, the guy should be making as much as they are in the dining hall. So, yeah, I, I always thought... And I don't think there should be a Notre Dame getting written up because one of the coaches gave one of the kids Greyhound bus money for his dad's brother's funeral in Garrett. I mean, I, I mean, I, the kid should be able to order a pizza when he gets back to the dorm and other stuff like other kids because he is friggin' working for God's sake. I mean, so I, well, I never yeah, had a problem with Ohio that. At Ohio State, didn't uh, that quarterback uh, Terrell Pryor? Get in trouble for selling a bunch of merch that he got from yeah. well, they, they, well, they give you like if you go to a bowl game and stuff, you get the big, yeah. uh, you big you get the big tchotchke package. If you go to the, you, yeah. you were the one who gave the, re, the report on that a few years ago. Or if you go to the Rose Bowl, what you what, like if Iowa went to the Rose Bowl, what every player gets? Yeah, from every the Rose player Bowl. gets like a like an iPad and and you know <laughs> uh, all kinds of you know. Uh, memorabilia shirts and and sweats and shoes and sunglasses and um, earbuds and just a a random sort of gift package that's valued at like i don't know a thousand bucks a guy or something like that at least that yeah Yeah. and and so 
a lot of these Ohio State players, the Terrell Pryor situation, my understanding was, is they were taking those things. Some of them they were autographing. Some of them they were just selling, and they were you know making money off these gifts that they were given. Well, once and, and the bigger yeah. stars, we're gonna get we're getting bigger money, right? Right. Well, I I, I think just just because it's 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 sort of always been there. Um, I mean, say this is so weird. We're having this discussion because I met a guy last night for uh, over the Triple E to watch some of the game, and uh, we're talking about the IRS and what the rules really are and how people most people don't have, a, don't have a friggin' clue what the rules are. Which is, you know, I'm not saying that they're dummies or not. They're not. They're just something they never focused on. But if if you got a, if you got a guy who cuts your grass, Hal, and you pay him forty dollars a week, well, forty times fifty two is two grand. I mean, it, it, you you and I. Because we still have cash money, can give the guy the double the double twenty a week, and, and nobody's and nobody's going to think about it. But the second it becomes Hal and and Maddie and and Chief apartment buildings, and we own three apartment buildings on the block, and we start paying the guy two hundred dollars a week, and oh by the way, we're going to have a line item on our on our our uh, balance or our income statement and our and our IRS thing that says we paid Mickey to mope. Uh, four grand last year for cutting the grass. If you ever get audited, you know they're going to say, "Who the hell's Mickey Demo? Where's the ten ninety nine? You know where's his Social Security?" And if, and if if you say I don't have it, they're going to say, "You better tell us who he is." Or by the way, you're not deducting it because it didn't happen, right? And Mickey Demo, if you gave him forty four grand, immediately, if if he has if that's the only money he makes, he's going to owe. Fifteen percent for Social Security and for uh, and for Medicare, and oh by the way, he's going to owe the state five. I don't know what the state deductible is. Five percent. So he's going to owe somebody six hundred bucks. I mean, it, it gets there real fast. If it's over, I think it's six hundred hours the number. So once you once you jump from one group to the other, it's it's not right in my estimation to say it's the same as giving Paul Horning two hundred hours a week out of some alumni or or giving uh, or giving uh, you know. Who else you want to talk to? You know, uh, like John Hewitt, making him a clerk in your law firm and giving him two grand in the summer, when, where the kid actually showed up every day and did all that other stuff. You just paid him a little more than somebody else. It's not the same. I don't think it's the same at all. But but, but I guess I'm I'm shouted down. But <laughs> I mean, I guess, well, sorry, my my kids unplugged my Wi-Fi. <laughs> God. Well, but I, you know, I'm I saying was... I think it's once you reach that sort of level to where you're talking a half a million dollars a year. Everybody's ears perk up. Or if you're talking about you know giving a kid fifty bucks a night to go get a pizza, it's it's not the same. Every every says you know every lets that go. Well, right. maybe that's why uh, President Biden uh, signed that bill into law that what gives the IRS eighty six billion dollars. Maybe they're going to use it to hunt down all this money that's being spread out in the NIL. NIL. I don't know. Well, I, guess I mean it, it came out about the same time. Which brings me to my, my main, well, one of my main topics conversation for you today. What, what, give us, I want you to give us an economic, uh, there was a thing last night I saw it on my phone. I don't know how to would send something from the, my phone to somewhere else, but it was like, I, when I kick up the Google on the phone, there was a, a big article there, and it was really interesting. Maybe, Maddie, you can find it. it was, it's in Politico. It has to do about uh, uh, what's going on with China. And um, the, uh, if you can, I'd love to tweet it out. Uh, it basically says that, you know, this has been the third, this is another one of my sort of themes, Hal, is that what you see happening in, in government, as much as the left and the right fight, they do agree on some stuff. One is stealing money from people, but the other is 
there is there is pretty much serious agreement on both sides of the aisle, even though they do all they do is bitch at each other regarding this China threat. And uh, it it kind of started the late stages of the Obama administration when they started to get a little antsy about China, and Trump obviously brought it to a huge head with the. You know, we're not getting this from you guys and that, and you're doing this, and by the way, tariffs on this and tariffs on that. They said, but since Biden's been in, even though a lot of people on the right compl- complain that he's soft on China, he's it, he's not. They said, since he's been in, the screws have been turned on China way more than Trump ever did. It's a total progression. And it's now at the point where we're questioning <coughs> the, the current our trade status we've had with them for 40 years, 50 years. And it was the 70s. They went to, for the ping pong diplomacy, right? He said, "We're now at the point where we're, we're no, we don't want open stuff. We want we don't want them doing anything in terms of high end chips, because we realize that they're a military threat going forward, and uh, that this is going to make a major, major difference in how trade is handled, really worldwide." And I can think of nobody better than you to kind of comment on that. What, what what's to look for? What should you invest or not invest in? You still got all the bumps on TV telling you, "Hey, China's back open again. Start start investing, throwing your money over there as quick as you can." And yet, this article tells you there's a massive sea change. What do you, what's your read on all this? Because you you got a much more economic bent on this than I do. Where, where should I come out on this? Where should our listeners come out on this? Well, I think the the key question when you don't have data to test the theory is just ask the question: Who benefits? And I think I think uh, with Trump. And going after China, he was pushing that populist narrative with, you know, working class, you know, not the union reps, but the working class voters. He's pushing that idea that we're getting ripped off by China, right? And so I think Trump made up a really interesting uh, group of voters. He had, I think he had small business voters, and he had a bunch of blue-collar voters. That, that was his uh, constituency. And Biden is the guy that is supposed to be protecting the blue-collar union uh, jobs, right? And I think maybe this is his attempt to, you know, pull them back into the Democratic Party by being uh, more Trump than Trump. So with regard to China, though, I don't think... I think China is repeating a mistake that Mao made. And I think I've mentioned this on the show before. Mao kind of locked in the technology of the day when he when he took over the country, it brutalized the population. I think I think Xi Jinping's doing that now. I think he thinks he's gotten the golden goose, the golden goose, and you know the golden goose with respect to algorithms and and data science and and uh, AI, machine learning. I think he thinks he's got the golden goose, and I think he can kind of lock down. Because I think all all politicos, whether they're uh, paternalistic, nightmarish dictators like Kim Jong Un, or maybe paternalistic or maternalistic uh, benevolent dictators, uh, they all fear losing power. Oh yeah. And so when when the, when they fear it the most, they clamp down the hardest. And I think they're using COVID as a way to really clamp down. I think COVID was used to separate Americans into compliers and non-compliers. I think it was used to, uh, in the federal government, I think it was used in the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, to to separate people out and figure out who's going to comply and who's not going to comply. And those aren't that aren't going to comply are going to be punished 
economically. Well, you know, and I think that's going on a large scale in China. But in, in our in our mindset, most people have forgotten all of that. They they, they don't hold it against the neighbor who didn't wear the mask because that's that's not our way. It's, yeah. it, we did it for a little while. We kind of hated ourselves for doing it, and now I I don't I. You know, the people who told me to wear a mask, I don't remember who the hell they were. I don't hold a grudge. I mean, it, that's not our way. I don't, I don't hold a grudge. I mean, if that's your thing, that's your yeah. thing. The grudge I hold is for the public health. Right. Oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. That stuff, right? And I think they should be held accountable for all the damage they did well, economically. They destroyed businesses. They destroyed oh, yeah. people's lives. They they pushed people being fired over this over this stuff. Oh, sure. Right? Well, the idea I that... Think they, they need to be held accountable for the, the damage they've done. Well, the idea that they would close Maddie Weber's jean shop when down the block Target was selling jeans, or jean, um, you know, was was selling jeans, I think is unconscionable. I mean, I was he selling tight jeans. If he was selling tight jeans, I'd be okay with that. Well, if you sold if you <laughs> sold tight jeans before the COVID, at the end of COVID, you, everybody was they were too small for everybody. You got to sell them again, probably. But it, you know, when I, when I was asking about this this China thing, though, this article was the reason why it caught my 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 eye and my intellect was they basically said. A lot of the stuff you were saying, this is what Trump was doing to his base, as Biden's doing his base, but so the article said, forget all that, wipe all that stuff out. But actually, in the last 10 years, there's a massive sea change. Congress, presidents, and they each have their own style about going about it, but there definitely is all the stuff about we, 15 years ago about how we, we traded with China, the more you could put over there, the better. By the way, those guys are a billion people are going to be drinking a Coke every day. They said, that is all changed. People don't want to do that at all anymore because they realize these guys are against us. They want to take over Taiwan. That that this that beneath the cover of why guys are doing stuff, you know, constituent wise, it's relentless. We're, we're not going to ship them key stuff. We don't we don't want people over there. We don't want businesses going over there. I mean, the, the article was basically there's this there is a huge change in this. And I, you know, I, and I, I didn't really realize that it was that deep seated until I read this. And that's what I, what I was asking your opinion about. Uh, on a moral issue, on a moral, on a moral side, I would uh, rather not do business with Chinese firms. Well, that's what they're and saying. American firms that um, that embrace China because the Communist Party is pretty, pretty brutal. I mean, they got Christians and Uyghurs and uh, political dissidents that are. Working in slave labor camps. Well, we're talking so, about in the last two months. I don't want to. I don't want to do business with them. Well, I mean, the last two months they were saying we essentially have banned any sort of export of high-end chips, which evidently we still make. Uh, that can be used for in, for uh, military. We banned all that. We're about to boot TikTok because we think that they're spying on everybody. I mean, we've, there, there's been some real serious stuff that's happened in the last couple of months. That, that it's, it's far beyond anything Trump did. That, this is not a Trump versus Biden thing. This is, yeah. I mean, Biden basically look at what Trump did, and instead of stopping it, he's gone further because he has he has the same yeah. view of China that Trump does, which which you know. Yeah. And, and well, what, that make that kind of makes sense because he has that you know Joe's a blue collar guy that rides trains. So yeah. I mean, he wants to. I think he wants to pull those people back into his uh, voting block, right? And so he has to, yeah, he has to lift them up, and the way he lifts them up is by. Punishing China. Well, I don't think more so than Trump. I think Trump. I think Trump thought. Honestly, I thought. I, I've I've said all along to my students. I think Trump talking about how we're getting our butt kicked with a trade deficit with China and Mexico. I always thought that was kind of just populism, and he didn't really believe it because 
the, the deficit, the trade deficits we have in these countries, that, that money doesn't get stuck underneath, you know, Xi Jinping's mattress. It comes back in the form of condo purchases. And he knows this, right? Well, how that's one reason I think it was mostly bluster with Trump. Trump was mostly bluster. I think Biden, though, you know, he, he wants that blue-collar union worker voting for him, so he's going to do all that he can with his uh, pen to ensure that that happens again. Well, how does it... I understand... Well, I think a lot of the listeners, maybe... We'll, I'll go through this for a second. We only have a few minutes to break, and then you can opine on, on my question to you afterward. But the, the trade that... When, when you have a... Say there was only two countries in the world, and you have a floating exchange rate. Okay, in, in theory... Everything is always going to balance, right? <laughs> right, Al? I mean, in theory, what I'm saying is, say there was only the U.S. and Mexico, and when we got the dollar and we got the peso. Okay, so, and that, and that rate floats. Well, the trade deficit is all the, the goods in, that come back and forth, goods and services. So, so say we we invest, or we, we buy, you know, $100 billion worth of, you know, produce from Mexico, and they buy 90 you know, $90 billion worth of autos and stuff from us, there's a $10 billion trade deficit. Okay, well, that's that's not the whole the whole number. Because maybe people from this country have invested in Mexico, and there's $10 billion of dividends that come back from Mexico to here. So the current account, the current account, the whole thing should be even. If not, the peso and the dollar should adjust up and down to where, it's, to where it is. That's the whole theory of it. So when you look at the trade deficit, you're only really looking at one piece, because yeah. in, because. But I want my question to you, and we'll talk about it more after the break, unless you can answer in a minute. How do, how does the the current account deficit, the whole number, how does that get out of whack? Is that because we have a deficit with Mexico, but then we got a surplus with China, and then Mexico has a deficit with China, and it evens out? The, how, how does there was over, it was only two countries? You would never, you could never really have other than a small one. Uh, just you know, for uh, before stuff has a chance to adjust, you can never really have a current account deficit, right? Because everything would get counted. But yet, when there's a bunch, yeah, everything everything get counted. But Paul Krugman did a a funny uh, piece, I don't know, twenty thirty years ago about how he added up all the the uh, trade deficits and surpluses in all the nations, and he came up with a world trade deficit. So I think he was poking fun at this idea. He he, he claimed that we had a trade deficit with. Uh, Martians or aliens, right, out of space. <laughs> Maybe we do. Out of Earth aliens. And so I think what that indicates is there's a lot of statistical discrepancy, and it seems to be biased to make uh, the problem seem worse than it is. Maybe maybe it has something to do with the statistics that these agencies do throughout the uh, all these countries throughout the world. But uh, it has to balance. It has to balance, because if you have a trade deficit with China... China's going to use those extra dollars to do what? They're going to buy some stuff from Australia, and eventually that money will find its way back to the United States in the form of a capital purchase. So you're it's not all got to balance out. So you're not a believer. Even with all the even with all the restrictions that are in place with the trade, the free trade agreements and the tariffs and whatnot, that it's got to balance out. So it's going to flow back to the United States somehow. So you're not a believer in the in the day the earth stood still when the guy showed up in the in the saucer. He didn't, he didn't buy some stock when he was here, and we're still shipping him a dividend? Oh, what was that? Remember the day the Earth stood still? The original movie with the big robot? The classic movie where the saucer lands in front of the White House? God, don't tell oh, me I don't me. remember that. Oh, that God, don't tell me. my time, Tom. <laughs> it, it is an absolute classic flick, though. Anyway, but 
<laughs> no, nobody remembers that one. But actually, there was a remake that I don't think was anywhere near as good. But it, it is absolutely a classic, classic, whatever, black and white. SB Futures up. You know what's so classic about it, Hal? Is when all the people run out in front of the saucer and all the cops are holding, holding their pistols aimed at the thing. We'd probably do the same thing today. And the guy made it all the way here from somewhere. <laughs> we guys hold their pistols out at the. Anyway, the pistols didn't work. SP Futures up 17. <laughs> we do the same thing. SP Futures up 18. Back, back in a minute, Stocks and Jackson. That's a movie everybody should see during the holidays, I guess. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen, Matt Weber, the board. SP Futures up 15, NASDAQ Futures up 13, Dow Futures up 186. Only got a couple of red red, red spots in the Dow. Apple down 26 cents, Procter Gamble down 38, uh, Salesforce down 47. Everybody else is to the plus, uh, and some reasonably. Home Depot up a buck 70, buck 25, Goldman Sachs up a buck 72. So let's say the, the Greens have it this morning so far by, by a long shot. Over in Europe, we've got uh, positive over there, not huge, but positive. Next up one ten point eight percent FTSE up four. Call that flat. Hang around, hang around up sixty nine. Uh, it's over one percent. So they're actually, we'll hang around for sure. You know, pretty reasonably to, to the upside. Uh, Nikkei up forty two point one percent. Hang Seng down eighty six point four percent, but still in the middle nineteen thousands nineteen thousand five ninety three. Shanghai up thirty. That's a full one percent as China's uh, ending quarantine pretty much across the board. 
even though they claim that they've got more people sick with COVID than they ever have. It's kind of a very odd way to do things. I guess you could say that their policy up till now hasn't worked out so hot. On Friday, Dow was up 176, S&P up 22, NASDAQ up 21, for those who can remember that far back. Uh, bonds up 7.30 seconds now, 3.82. The Bund up 11, 2 point, they're above 2.5, 2.51. Japan up 3, pushing right up against this, this uh, 50 0.50 number, which is the top of their range according to their government, at over point over 0.47. We've got oil, a little bit of a rally up 60 cents, eighty dollars and eighteen cents above eighty. Rent up seventy four cents, eighty four sixty six. Natural gas up fourteen cents, but still mired way down here at five twenty two. As people keep getting their bigger and bigger bills. Our bob unchanged two thirty nine. We've got gold up eleven forty eighteen eighteen fifteen. Silver up thirty seven cents twenty four twenty nine. Copper up eight cents, three eighty nine. So the metal oil area is all up this morning. We've got crypto uh, down eighteen bucks. Very, very, very quiet on the Bitcoin, sixteen thousand eight one nine. Same thing on the U.S. dollar. Uh, we are um, slightly higher versus the euro. Slightly, maybe a little more, a little more higher. One twenty on the pound. So these things are one hundred six and one twenty is kind of in the number here for quite a while. So we're getting those big movements every day. We that sort of has stopped recently. Maddie, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, we have very light traffic volumes, as a lot of people are off work this week, but we have a lot of accidents, surprisingly, so maybe that's just people are driving faster because <laughs> there's less traffic. Uh, earlier crash on the Dan Ryan inbound side just before 87th Street was a four-vehicle accident that caused all kinds of issues. That apparently has just become clear, so uh, no resulting congestion from that. But further inbound on the express lanes of the Ryan uh, we have a crash at 47th Street that crews are working to clear. If you're coming in on the Stevenson, no issues to report. Eisenhower, we've had a couple of crashes this morning, and now we have a new one. This is on the inbound side just before Central Park Boulevard, a crash blocking the two right lanes, and that has uh, the Ike backed up uh, for about 20 minutes worth of delays as you approach Central Park Boulevard on the inbound side. No issues on the Edens and Kennedy, just completely wide open. Same for DeSable Lakeshore Drive. Uh, only other crash in the area is out on uh, I-355 in the western suburbs. Looks like northbound side at Roosevelt Road. There's a crash blocking the right lane. But everything else looking good out there. Weather today, uh, we're, we're creeping up a couple of degrees at a time. Uh, a high of 26 today and clear skies. Right now it is uh, mostly clear and 12 degrees downtown. Uh, we will be in the 40s and 50s later this week uh, with rain, but at least uh, warmer temperatures. But we're not out of the woods yet. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 74 today. Right now it's clear and 50. In sports, Bulls had their three-game winning streak snapped as they lost at home to Houston, 133-118. to Suns were off. They're at the Grizzlies tonight. Blackhawks were off as well. They'll be in Carolina tonight to take on the Hurricanes. That's a 6 p.m. Central Time puck drop. Coyotes will host the Avalanche later on tonight. And in Monday Night Football, it was the Chargers taking care of the Colts, 20-3. to So, Matty, everybody thinks that I'm this... Total luddite when it comes to like uh, you know elect- the internet and all kinds of stuff. Well, it may be I'm not saying one way or the other that I'm actually the sneaky super tech guy. And right now, really, right now I'm, I'm putting together a, th- uh, a thing for Wikipedia defining Olay defense, and I'm putting some <laughs> of the bear the Bulls game in from last night. I've never seen it that bad. 
It was almost as bad as the 150-point game. Yeah, giving up 133 is not ideal. A lot better than giving up 150, though, as they did uh, two weeks ago to Minnesota. But they they seemingly, you know, had the, the turmoil after the giving up 150 uh, against the Timberwolves, and they'd won three straight after that, and, and I thought maybe they'd turned a corner and guys were playing a little better, and then last night just completely looked past the Rockets. They're way better than the Rockets. That's a game you can't lose at home. And they were still uh, had their minds uh, on Christmas presents, I guess. What the, uh, real quick question, the kid on the, uh, <coughs> the Knicks, I've watched them against the Bulls three times in eight days, the big lefty, where did he come from? God, he's really good. Yeah, he was a, a lottery pick out of Duke. Oh, really? R.J. Barrett, yeah. Oh, all right. He's a good player. How long did he last at Duke? I think he played one year. Okay, he was a one-and-done guy? Yeah, but he was overshadowed by Jason Tatum at Duke. I think that was believe, really good, too. I believe they played together at the same time, uh, if memory serves. I'd have to look it up to confirm. If Lou was here, he'd remember. Um, but uh, so he was overshadowed by Tatum, and Tatum, Tatum ended up being the number two pick, and is arguably, you know, either the best player in the NBA right now, or he's certainly in the top three or four. Uh, but Barrett is also very good, and uh, he's he's really coming out this year. I uh, I don't know if it's coaching or people buying into stuff, but you watch the Knicks play versus the Bulls. There's a total different mindset. I don't, I don't think it's Tibbs versus Donovan, but I think Donovan's got the same mindset. But they they just. Why? Why does one team listen to the guy? And I, I don't. These guys don't listen to them at all. Yeah, that's that's the whole trick of it. In pro sports, it's not like college where you can just yell at the kids and and they they have to listen to you. In the pros, I mean, you, the good coaches they have a way of doing it, and I, I can't explain it. <laughs> if, if I knew how to do it, everyone would know how to do it. Um, anyway, help. I'll give you a, a thirty second rundown of that of that 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 old movie because it's it's such a period piece. But what it says about the first. 20 minutes before they even get into the plot. Essentially, this saucer lands, and this guy gets out, and, some, and they got all these cops. They, all, they show all these cops leaving the station with the gumball going, right? As if that's going to make any <laughs> any difference. So they got a bunch of tanks, all these army guys, and like every policeman in Washington is surrounding the saucer, which which we would do today, right? It's like if there's a, a problem, you know, 50 squad cars show up when even when the thing's over, right? Everybody's got to be there. So they're all pointing. Well, anyway, they, they, they shoot the guy <laughs> coming out of there in a and he, he's not dead. So uh, then comes this big, huge robot comes out of thing, and of course everybody's worried about the robot. So the robot throws a beam at, and everybody's gun in their hand, anything metal around him, totally melts the tank, and people are jumping out of the tank. So it's like, why mess with these guys? Well, of course the guy goes. They take the guy to a hospital. In the meantime, we got all these idiots trying to drill into the thing with giant drills, trying to figure out what everything's made out of, even messing with the robot, who's just standing there. They're trying to, like, drill into the robot. And find out they're, they're, they're trying to take the thing apart. So they, <laughs> but this was, this was like, so, so 60s mentality in this country. I mean, like, it turns out the guy's message was, okay, now you idiots have atomic energy. Instead of just killing each other, you have the ability to kill other people. Guess what? If you get out in space and you do anything like that, we're just going to obliterate the place. And he t- they, then he left. <laughs> but 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 the but the actions of the people here were so stereotypical, and they would happen again today. Every squad car would be there in Lincoln Park, looking at this, looking at this thing, right? <laughs> Even though well, then the remake, I think I looked at it. I looked it up during the uh, break, and they made a. I thought it was a pretty good remake. Uh, they actually had like this fifty foot robot. Right. Yeah, it was a big guy. And, uh, I think I saw. Yeah, I think I saw the uh, the remake. Uh, I don't know, ten years ago. Yeah, it's maybe, been a while. maybe even longer ago. Yeah, so it, it wasn't too bad. But yeah, I think I think you're right. I think we probably 
try to nuke it. Kind of like what we did with, uh, like we did in Armageddon. Yeah, we tried to. Like, the president's going to nuke the asteroid, which would uh, not do any damage. Well, we right? had the one asteroid. Or, or, or in, the, in the movie Moonfall, right? Have you guys seen Moonfall yet? No. It's about the oh. hollow moon. It's a it's a uh, Dyson sphere around okay. a white dwarf that powers the moon, and it's a mega structure. And a, uh, an alien AI has um, commandeered the the moon and has sent it toward Earth. And our response is to nuke it. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it would change. Well, yeah, at least we're not standing there with a, with a policeman with a gun holding up against the thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you? So well, how did they capture the robot, though? I mean, they, how they actually literally captured they didn't. the robot. Would have to be a, the robot would have to let you catch it, right? Oh, he's, the guy just told the robot to stand down. He was just standing there. They were trying to mess with him. He, at any time, he could have just obliterated everybody around him. He just he was just standing there. Yeah. So they, they kept trying to mess with him. <laughs> you know, yeah, let's it see if like a pretty big hole in the story. Yeah. Well, they just he our people. No, he just when he went to the hospital, he told the robot to stand down. And they closed the door to the, the saucer. He just left everything, knowing knowing that nobody could mess with it. But people were trying, <laughs> trying their best with like <laughs> drills and hammers and stuff. Like, really, you're going to hammer on this poor guy's <laughs> spacecraft? <laughs> anyway, so what? Uh, I'm going to say, Hal, I'm going to, I'm going to push you into this before the new year. You'll probably do this with everybody next week. After all the stuff and the COVID and everything, and, and we have these numbers that are totally out of whack, in my opinion, uh, where we've got GDP numbers because we poured so much money in the system, that actually showed the economy damn near growing the last part of uh, COVID when you knew nobody was even working, for God's sake. Uh, are we going to... Are the numbers going to calm down this year to at least know what we're dealing with where everybody can't be saying, or the economy's fantastic and other people saying, no, it sucks? Where at least we're going to get to a point where we all know what we're dealing with and you know some semblance of truth is going to land back in here. And what uh, I also want to ask you before I forget, we'll do it later, I want to ask you what this weekend, this week did to these airlines in terms of profit. But, but let's talk about the real, the first economy. Are we going to get some sign, some sort of a... Uh, at least a little better idea of, of where we're at here I mean, going forward where we can, if we ever you know, want to help it or not help it or at least let it go by itself, we at least know what we're dealing with where the inflation is going to at least calm down to a number where it's not, you, you, you can't say, you know, if you use a, a gross number, we're doing great. If you use a net number, we're doing lousy. Are we going to at least get some kind of a better clue this year? Well, it's kind of hard to tell, but you can if you look at M2, there's still this massive COVID relief fiscal monetary bubble that's still in the system. We're way above the trend before COVID, way above it. So we have this glut of money that's just sitting there. And then on top of that, bank lending, total bank lending, is still soaring. And we all learn from money and banking that the more banks lend, the more money that is created. Yep. So... Bank lending is soaring still. Um, it is steeper than it was in the previous decade before you know the COVID. Is there so? Is it? I think it's really hard to tell whether these. I think I think the statisticians at the BLS. I, I think they have a difficult time trying to sort all this out because we were we were talking about in emails last week about the Fed coming out and revising uh, the BLS's. Uh, job gains in the payroll survey uh, instead of a million new jobs added in Q2 and a million new jobs in Q3, I think they're going to include the same thing about Q3. 
um, really just like 10,000 jobs added next that second quarter, right? Yeah. And I think one of the problems was the fact that uh, the response rate of employers went from like 70 to 40. And I think they probably chalked that up to they used a best case scenario assumption. Maybe they, the employers didn't, just didn't uh, respond to the survey. I'm kind of thinking no. I'm thinking maybe the, those businesses no longer are in business. It maybe shuttered the door or shut down or or not. So yeah, it's really hard to say. I think there's just so much disruption that central planners in D.C. and in New York have uh, unleashed on us. That it's really hard. I, I guess what I'm saying is we have to wait until the the kind of settles down because I, I think all the numbers at the aggregate level at the national level that are coming out. I just can't trust them. I don't, I don't know if the inflation number is too high, too low. I just don't trust them at all. If it's too high, you know, if, it, if inflation is still 10%, then economic growth is still negative. So, Well, I think the numbers, are, the numbers are, are, are very sketchy. Um, I always have. I think it not only is the... I agree with that. Not, not only is the number, uh, the numbers themselves, you know, the price of rice going up or eggs going up, I think those numbers are probably somewhat accurate. Uh, the percentage of people's basket, that number is a, is a, is a hocus-pocus in my mind. I mean, that's totally yeah. screwed up. I mean, when you start having, uh, you know, housing numbers as being 7% of somebody's, or rent being 7% of somebody's basket, I don't know anybody who, who only pays 7% of their paycheck for rent. Uh, I don't know where that one comes from. But uh, when you mention the, uh, every number, though, Hal, I mean, you, you and I, you know better than me, doing as you're teaching all day long. You talk about bank lending. I would say that if if bank lending was, by the way, we're now down thirty points in the Nasdaq, so so much for that rally. Uh, if, if if all if the lending was ninety percent, people looking at supply chain issues, seeing a hole in the system, seeing something that a hole they want to fill, be it you know size twelve nails or whatever it happens to be, and all of a sudden borrows money for to re to rehab a building to to create. You know, to to purchase to purchase stuff to make nails, uh, I'm going to say that's a huge positive. If if all of a sudden the bank lending is just people that are broke, so they can run their credit cards out even more to keep buying, I'm going to say that's a negative. I mean, just the gross number kind of doesn't in this in this kind of world we're in. Any kind of gross number just makes me want to ask the next question, and not even when I look at the number and go, yeah, well, what about this? Is it just my personality? Well, when you, co- when you combine it with savings, savings is plummeting. And I think eventually, I think a lot of this is credit card debt. Yeah. And eventually so. those credit cards get topped out, and what are you going to do then when you have no savings and we have, we reached our limit on our credit card, then that's when real pain can come, right? Because right now maybe, maybe just consumers are filling it and they're putting on their credit card, but eventually those credit cards can be maxed out They're not, and consumers aren't going to have any credit left. I think Twitter, you know, uh, uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter, he, uh, he uh, made the offer before the stock market kind of collapsed, right? Before yeah. the Fed really started uh, raising interest rates. I think he's still in the effects of really tight credit, right? I mean, at some point, even a billionaire feels, you know, 6% when they were getting 1%. Even they feel it, right? Well, they no, don't have the cash. I don't think anybody can... Maybe he doesn't have the cash. He doesn't have the cash to, to pay those debt payments, right? So he's even feeling it. So eventually, our credit gets maxed out, and it can get really painful at that point. If we go into some super prolonged recession, which, boy, I'm not hoping and I'm not predicting, 
and somebody writes a book 20 years from now, they're going to say that, that that guy buying Twitter for that amount of money was the, was the, 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 the signature poster child of, of the mess we're in. <laughs> the guy just paid yeah. 50, was it 54 billion? It's going to be the metaphor. It's going to be the metaphor. And the problem yeah. with all those cheap credit and low interest rates, and it, it, the, the problem is it creates a moral hazard. And projects that might have a 2% return, expected return over 15 years, or 3% or 4%, if the natural rate of in, interest is 5%, and the Fed lowers interest rates and pushes them down to 1%, all those projects get financed. And you don't realize that they're malinvestments until rates are allowed to go back up to their more natural rate. And then all of a sudden, one by one, they just, you know, they go bust, right? It's the, metaphorically, it's the uh, house that never gets built, the foundation that was in the ground still, yeah. right? The, the foundation, but with no, no first floor uh, platform. It's just the concrete in the ground with tumbleweeds growing over the top of it. That's what's happening right now. And Musk felt it during the summer. He kept saying, I heard him say that his factories are money-burning furnaces. Well, he's still in the effects of credit being too expensive. He didn't have the cash flow to cover that debt. When he made the offer to buy Twitter, it, it seemed like a good deal. But it, that those low interest rates create a moral hazard. You know what, though? And people make really bad decisions. You know what, though, Hal? I'm going to say uh, that was never a good deal. He, he, he spoke off the top. Yeah, of the I agree with you. Forty-four billion was never a good deal. That was overvalued. What did he pay? What did he pay? Fifty-four a share? Was that what it was, Manny? Like, yeah, yeah, I think the, it was. Yeah. The day he said he would give him fifty-four, there had to be fifteen people in CNBC, not that that makes them right or not, because I think half of them. And this is the funny thing: nobody at Twitter wanted the deal. <laughs> right? well, well, yeah, everybody balked at it. They, they were trying to prevent the deal, so they they had this inflated idea of what their company was. Value well, right? But when you say the people there, didn't want the deal either. Well, the people who got fired didn't want it. Yeah, Jack. Yeah. Jack, you know, call me Jack, Mister Mister Beardo. Got how many million dollars out of the place after he left it? He loves the deal. Yeah. I mean, that guy. Anybody who had the stock had it loved it. But the your regular guy who got laid off didn't love it. But that, that maybe, maybe Jack is thinking. Maybe Jack is thinking uh, after uh, this recession pulls must down. Twitter's on sale again. Maybe he's going to get it for a discount, and he'll be able to get it for ten billion. Well, the day that he said he was going to pay, whatever he was going to pay, forty-four or fifty-four, it was it was either forty-four billion and fifty-four dollars a share, or fifty-four billion and whatever it was. And uh, yeah. But everybody said the thing's not worth more than twenty. What's he doing? Yeah. yeah. It, was, it wasn't like it took well, three but, months but to figure this that's out. What, that's what cheap credit does. When you when you build businesses off of one percent interest rates, which had been the case for what 10 15 years yeah it creates a small hazard it, it it distorts reality and we're seeing it play out in front of us we're seeing the austrian business cycle theory play out in front of us right those deals got financed all those malinvestments with two percent three percent expected returns they get financed at one percent well th- that's stuff and we don't re- we don't see we don't see it until the rates go back up to where they should be naturally well, the, the, the people, those deals got financed, and this has been a, my biggest really bitch about the whole thing for the last 12 years at the Fed. They gave all the, all the, all the cool guys, the big companies, and, you know, what did, what did Amazon and Microsoft, didn't they, weren't they able to finance a lot of term at one point for like 2.5%? And, 
you know, if, you well, they were making money for they were making money for what decade, man? Oh, right? But, Remember yeah, that? Yeah, they weren't I'm, making any money. They're I'm, losing money, but yet they had all this money, all this capital poured into yeah. them because credit was cheap. What I'm saying is, it never they never forced it down. We went uh, from 2000. Well, what was I? I did a 2010 or 2008 to 2020. You know, just a, a search on the internet, so it's not you know not like I'm in the Federal Reserve, but. I, I had credit card rates actually went up as all the other rates went down. So, yeah. I mean, and plus with the, uh, the the goofballs that did the, uh, who were the two knuckleheads? Uh, the one guy, let's say the K guy. Uh, who, who was the banking bill? Uh, the, the the one guy from Massachusetts, he was ahead of something, something. Oh, uh, Barney uh, Frank? Yeah, the, the Dodd, Dodd, Dodd Frank. Frank yeah. what, Dodd Frank, yeah. Dodd Frank, Dodd Frank, yeah. Where if Manny Weber's got a, 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 you know, a plumbing company, and he has not, he's got a, you know, it's a corporation, which you're supposed to be separate. And the corporation has never missed a payment to the bank. If he went out for another loan, they're going to want his house. They're going to want him to sign it personally. Hey, screw that. Jack Dorsey never signed anything personally. Neither is Musk. Yet, yeah. at some level, they made, so it made it more difficult for, for the small people. that they're not, Now they want to come up and be, and be small entrepreneurs again as we take stuff back from China. They're not, they're not getting a break, getting that money. So we did we did everything wrong in terms of helping out uh, people down there. But hey, but hell, we can talk about that uh, just as a, as a trade here. And I know neither one of us. I don't I don't I don't think I've ever traded an airline in my life. So there are a couple of maybe burning spreads. But Southwest Air and these airlines, Southwest Air was uh, sixty five hours in twenty twenty one, and now it's this weekend. How how much these guys? I gotta believe this week they make a. Uh, you know, way more than 152 of their revenue and, and, and earnings. Now they must have; they, these guys had to have lost money big time in the last eight days. How much is this going to hurt their year? I mean, is Southwest going to be able to recover from this? I mean, I mean they're going to be around. I mean, that, and don't get me wrong, but I'm saying if you thought they were going to make two bucks a share two months ago, are you down to one buck or fifty cents or losing? I mean, how much of these guys get clipped for this weather? Well, I think it's going to be really painful if what I perceive for 2023 pans out. I think, you know, if credit cards are maxed out, people can't... Uh, I think most people that are flying probably put their airline ticket on a credit card. And if they're maxed out, 63% of Americans you know, are going paycheck to paycheck. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of travel this summer. I think there'll be travel at the high end, uh, which bodes well for the, you know, the private jets um maybe first class and business class but you know southwest caters to the guy probably going to orlando uh with a credit card yeah so i would be worried if i was southwest airlines this year seriously worried and uh this weekend maybe is the thing that starts the snowball rolling down the hill in that you know bugs bunny cartoon where it just gets massive uh, I would be worried about Southwest. Matt Weber, what percentage of credit cards do you think are, are purchased with cash? Is it even 1%? What percent of credit cards are I mean, purchased I'm sorry, with I'm sorry, cash? What, what, I'm sorry, what, what percentage of airline tickets are purchased with cash? Oh, not many. Yeah, it's 1%. Not, I don't think, uh, yeah. I think it's credit cards. And if people are maxed out, and it appears to me that they are, I think uh, Southwest is in a world of hurt. This what, year, what? Uh, I think the airlines in general are going to be in a world of hurt. I think the private jets are going to be fine. Real, real, real quick, Matt Weber question, Matty. What the? Uh, as many knows this stuff. What what percentage of credit card purchases now 
are, are done in like an American Express car where you got to pay every month versus the other ones where you don't? Um. Well, American Express has a lot of the other ones too, so it's an unfair question. Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, do any cards you have to pay every month now? Oh, the original American Express, you still do. Um, It's certainly advised to pay every month, (laughs) right? Right, but uh, mine, mine, mine I still do. I don't have any financing option on mine, American Express. Okay. Of course, they send me a thing like every day that they want me to get another one that does have that option. Oh, they want you. Yeah, they definitely want you sucked into that. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. (laughs) They want to transfer you out. They're not making money off you. Well, hell, hey, buddy, happy new year. We'll talk to you next week, if not before. Uh, we, we're we're going to manage everybody through this 2023. Maybe we make a bunch of dough, too. Wouldn't mean it wouldn't be nice, huh? Yeah, it would be. <laughs> Take care. S&P, S&P, the big rally, S&P's up two. NASDAQ is down 19. So the rally is, uh, as of now, yet another broken dream. We'll talk about it tomorrow morning. Stocks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.